Chapter One of the Abbot's Ghost. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ellie. The Abbot's Ghost or Maurice Treherne's Temptation by Louisa May Alcott. Chapter One. Dramatis Personae. How goes it, Frank? Down first as usual. The early bird gets the warm major. Tuesed ungallant speech considering that the lovely octavia is the warm and with a significant laugh the major assumed an englishman's favorite attitude before the fire his companion shot a quick glance at him and an expression of anxiety passed over his face as he replied with a well-feigned air of indifference you are altogether too sharp major i must be on my guard while you are in the house any new arrivals i thought i heard a carriage drive up not long ago it was general snowdon and his charming wife Maurice Treherne came while we were out, and I have not seen him yet, poor fellow. Ay, you may well say that. His is a hard case, if what I heard is true. I am not booked up in the matter, and I should be, lest I make some blunder here. So tell me how things stand, Major. We have got a half hour before dinner. Sir Jasper is never punctual. Yes, you have a right to know, if you are going to try your fortune with Octavia the major marched through the three drawing-rooms to see that no inquisitive servant was eavesdropping and finding all deserted he resumed his place while young annan lounged on the couch as he listened with intense interest to the major's story you know it was supposed that old sir jasper being a bachelor would leave his fortune to his two nephews but he was an oddity and as the title must go to the young jasper bereit the old man said maurice should have the money he was poor and young jasper rich and it seemed but just though madame mere was very angry when she learned how the will was made but maurice didn't get the fortune how was that there was some mystery there which i shall discover in time all went smoothly till that unlucky yachting trip when the cousins were wrecked maurice saved jasper's life and almost lost his own in so doing i fancy he wishes he had rather than remain the poor cripple he is exposure exertion and neglect afterward brought on paralysis of the lower limbs and there he is a fine talented spirited fellow tied to that cursed chair like a decrepit old man how does he bear it asked annan as the major shook his grey head with a traitorous huskiness in his last words like a philosopher or a hero he is too proud to show his despair at such a sudden end to all his hopes too generous to complain for jasper is desperately cut up about it and too brave to be daunted by a misfortune which would drive any man mad is it true that sir jasper knowing all this made a new will and left every cent to his namesake yes and there lies the mystery not only did he leave it away from poor maurice but so tied it up that jasper cannot transfer it and at his death it goes to octavia the old man must have been demented what in heaven's name did he mean by leaving maurice helpless and penniless after all his devotion to jasper had he done anything to offend the old party no one knows maurice hasn't the least idea of the cause of this sudden whim and the old man would give no reason for it he died soon after and the instant jasper came to the title and estate he brought his cousin home and treats him like a brother jasper is a noble fellow with all his faults and this act of justice increases my respect for him said the major heartily what will maurice do now that he can't enter the army as he intended asked Eamon, who now sat erect so full of interest was he marry octavia and come to his own i hope an excellent little arrangement but mr hern may object 
said Anon, rising with sudden kindling of the eye. I think not, if no one interferes. Pity with women is akin to love, and she pities her cousin in the tenderest fashion. No sister could be more devoted, and as Maurice is a handsome, talented fellow, one can easily foresee the end, if, as I said before, no one interferes to disappoint the poor lad again. You espouse his cause, is he, and tell me this, that I may stand aside. Thanks for the warning, Major. But as Maurice Treherne is a man of unusual power in many ways, I think we are equally matched, in spite of his misfortune. Nay, if anything, he has the advantage of me, for Miss Treherne pities him, and that is a strong ally for my rival. I'll be as generous as I can, but I will not stand aside and relinquish the woman I love without a trial first. With an air of determination, Anon faced the Major, whose keen eyes had read the truth, which he had but newly confessed to himself. Major Royston smiled as he listened and said briefly, as steps approached, Do your best. Maurice will win. We shall see, returned Anon between his teeth. Here the host entered, and the subject of course was dropped. But the Major's words rankled the young man's mind, and would have been doubly bitter had he known that their confidential conversation had been overheard. On either side of the great fireplace was a door leading to a suite of rooms, which had been old Jasper's. These apartments had been given to Maurice Treherne, and he had just returned from London, whither he had been to consult a certain famous physician. Entering quietly, he had taken possession of his rooms, and having rested and dressed for dinner, rolled himself into the library, to which led the curtained door on the right. Sitting idly in his light-wheeled chair, ready to enter when his cousin appeared, he had heard the chat of Anon and the Major. As he listened, over his usually impassive face, past varying expressions of anger, pain, bitterness, and defiance, and when the young man uttered his almost fierce, We shall see, Treherne smiled a scornful smile and clenched his pale hand with a gesture which proved that the year of suffering had not conquered the man's spirit, though it had crippled his strong body. A singular face was Maurice Treherne's, well-cut and somewhat haughty features, a fine brow under the dark locks that carelessly streaked it, and remarkably piercing eyes, slight in figure and wasted by pain. He still retained the grace as native to him as the stern fortitude which enabled him to hide the deep despair of an ambitious nature from every eye, and bear his affliction with a cheerful philosophy more pathetic than the most entire abandonment to grief. Carefully dressed, and with no hint at invalidism but the chair, he bore himself as easily and calmly as if the doom of lifelong helplessness did not hang over him. A single motion of the hand set him rolling noiselessly to the curtained door, but as he did so, a voice exclaimed behind him, Wait for me, cousin, and as he turned, a young girl approached, smiling a glad welcome as she took his hand, adding in a tone of soft reproach, home again and not let me know it till i heard the good news by accident was it good news octavia maurice looked up at the frank face with a new expression in those penetrating eyes of his his cousin's open glance never changed as she stroked the hair of his forehead with the caresses one often gives a child and answered eagerly the best to me the house is dull when you are away for jasper always becomes absorbed in horses and hounds and leaves mamma and me to mope by ourselves but tell me, Maurice, what they said to you, since you would not write. A little hope with time and patience. Help me to wait, dear. Help me to wait. His tone was infinitely sad, and as he spoke, he leaned his cheek against the kind hand he held, as if to find support and comfort there. 
the girl's face brightened beautifully though her eyes felt for her alone did he betray his pain and in her alone did he seek consolation i will i will with heart and hand take heaven for the hope and trust me it shall be fulfilled you look very tired maurice why go into dinner with all those people let me make you cosy here she added anxiously thanks i'd rather go in it does me good and if i stay away jasper feels that he must stay with me i dressed in haste am i right little nurse she gave him a comprehensive glance daintily settled his cravat brushed back a truant lock and with a maternal air that was charming said my boy is always elegant and i am proud of him now we'll go in but with her hand on the curtain she paused saying quickly as a voice reached her who is that frank anon didn't you know he was coming maurice eyed her keenly no jasper never told me why did he ask him to please you me when he knows i detest the man no matter i've gotten the color he hates so he won't annoy me and mrs snowdon can amuse herself with him the general has come you know Treherne smiled well pleased for no sign of the maiden shame or pleasure did the girl's face betray and as he watched her while she peeped he thought with satisfaction anon is right i have the advantage and we will keep it at all costs here is mamma we must go in said octavia as a stately old lady made her appearance in the drawing-room the cousins entered together and anon watched them covertly while seemingly intent on paying his respects to madame mere as his hostess was called by her family handsomer than ever he muttered as his eyes rested on the blooming girl looking more like a rose than ever in the peach-colored silk which he had once condemned because a rival admired it she turned to reply to the major and anon glanced at treherne with an irrepressible frown for sickness had not marred the charm of peculiar face so colorless and thin that it seemed cut in marble but the keen eyes shone with a wonderful brilliancy and the whole countenance was alive with the power of intellect and will which made the observer involuntarily exclaim that man must suffer a daily martyrdom so crippled and confined if it lasts long he will go mad or die general and mrs snowdon announced the servant and a sudden pause ensued as everybody looked up to greet the newcomers a feeble white-haired man entered leaning on the arm of an indescribably beautiful woman not thirty yet tall and nobly moulded with straight black brows over magnificent eyes rippling dark hair gathered up in a great knot and ornamented with a single band of gold a sweeping dress of wine-coloured velvet set off with a dazzling neck and arms decorated like her stately head with ornaments of roman gold at the first glance she seemed a cold haughty creature born to dazzle but not to win a deeper scrutiny detected lines of suffering in that lovely face and behind the veil of reserve which pride forced her to wear appeared the anguish of a strong-willed woman burdened by a heavy cross no one would dare express pity or offer sympathy for her whole air repelled it and in her gloomy eyes sat scorn of herself mingled with defiance of the scorn of others a strange almost tragical-looking woman in spite of beauty grace and the cold sweetness of her manner a faint smile parted her lips as she greeted those about her and as her husband seated himself beside lady treherne she lifted her head with a long breath and a singular expression of relief as if her burden was removed and for the time being she was free sir jasper was at her side and as she listened her eye glanced from face to face who is with you now she asked in a low mellow voice that was full of music my sister and my cousin are yonder you may remember tavia as a child she is little more now maurice is an invalid 
but the finest fellow breathing. I understand, and Mrs. Snowdon's eyes softened with a sudden glance of pity for one cousin and admiration for the other, for she knew the facts. Major Royston, my father's friend, and Frank Annan, my own. Do you know him? asked Sir Jasper. No. Then allow me to make him happy by presenting him. May I? Not now. I'd rather see your cousin. Thanks. You are very kind. I'll bring him over. Stay and let me go to him, began the lady, with more feeling in face and voice than one would believe her capable of showing. Pardon, it will offend him. He will not be pitied or relinquish any of the duties or privileges of a gentleman, which he can possibly perform. He is proud, you can understand the feeling. So let us humor the poor fellow. Mrs. Snowdon bowed silently, and Sir Jasper called out in his hearty, blunt way, as if nothing was amiss with his cousin. Maurice, I've an honor for you. Come and receive it. Divining what it was, Treherne noiselessly crossed the room, and with no sign of self-consciousness or embarrassment, was presented to the handsome woman. Thinking his presence might be restrained, Sir Jasper went away. The instant his back was turned, a change came over both. An almost grim expression replaced the suavity of Treherne's face, and Mrs. Snowdon's smile faded suddenly, while a deep flush rose of her brow as her eyes questioned him beseechingly. How dare you come? he asked below his breath. The general insisted. And you could not change his purpose, poor woman? You will not be pitied, neither will I. And her eyes flashed, then the fire was quenched in tears, and her voice lost all its pride in a pleading tone. Forgive me, I longed to see you since your illness, and so I dared to come. You shall be gratified. Look, quite helpless, crippled for life, perhaps. The chair was turned from the groups about the fire, and as he spoke, with a bitter laugh, Treherne drew back the skin which covered his knees, and showed her his useless limbs, once so strong and fleet. She shrank and paled, put out her hand to arrest him, and cried in an indignant whisper, No, no, not that. You know, I never meant such cruel curiosity, such useless pain in both. Be still, someone is coming, he returned inaudibly, adding aloud, as he adjusted the skin and smoothed the rich fur, as if speaking of it. Yes, it is a very fine one. Jasper gave it to me. He spoils me like a dear, generous-hearted fellow as he is. Ah, Octavia, what can I do for you? Nothing, thank you. I want to recall myself to Mrs. Snowdon's memory, if she will let me. No need of that. I never forget happy faces and pretty pictures. Two years ago I saw you at your first ball, and longed to be a girl again. As she spoke, Mrs. Snowdon pressed the hand shyly offered, and smiled at the spirited face before her, though the shadow in her own eyes deepened as she met the bright glance of the girl. How kind you were that night! I remember you let me chatter away about my family, my cousin, and my foolish little affairs with the sweetest patience, and made me very happy by your interest. I was homesick, and aunt could never bear to hear of these things. It was before your marriage, and all the kinder, for you were the queen of the night, yet had a word for poor little me. Mrs. Snowdon was pale to the lips, and Maurice impatiently tapped the arm of his chair, while the girl innocently chatted on. I am sorry the general is such an invalid. Yet I dare say you find great happiness in taking care of him. It is so pleasant to be of use to those we love, and as she spoke Octavia leaned over to her cousin to hand him the glove he had dropped. The affectionate smile that accompanied the act made the color deepen again in Mrs. Snowdon's cheek, and lit a spark in her softened eyes. Her lips curled and her voice was sweetly sarcastic as she answered, Yes, it is charming to devote one's life to these dear invalids, and find one's rewarded in their gratitude. Use beauty, health, and happiness are small sacrifices 
if one wins a little comfort for the poor sufferers the girl felt the sarcasm under the soft words and drew back with a troubled face maurice smiled and glanced from one to another saying significantly well for me my little nurse loves her labor and finds no sacrifice in it i am fortunate in my choice i trust it may prove so mrs snowdon got no further for at that moment dinner was announced and sir jasper took her away annon approached with him and offered his arm to miss treherne but with an air of surprise and a little gesture of refusal she said coldly my cousin always takes me in to dinner be good enough to escort the major and with her hand on the arm of the chair she walked away with a mischievous glitter in her eyes annon frowned and fell back saying sharply come major what are you doing there making discoveries End of chapter 1 Recording by Ellie July 2009